0: of Peter Granger's excellent preaching course earlier this year. I'm not a theologian, I'm not an elder, I'm a normal Christian who loves Jesus and who wants to know him and follow him more. I've been challenged by this passage over the last few weeks and I'm excited to share with you what I've found. It has been a strange couple of weeks, hasn't it? Uh, since her death ten days ago, the country's been reflecting on the reign of Queen Elizabeth. Everyone seems to mention her duty, don't they? That's a thing that comes up. What a mindset she must have had that kept her going right to the end, welcoming in the new Prime Minister just two days before she died. In a documentary a couple of years ago, the Queen described what it was like to wear the imperial stage crown, which, apparently, is extremely heavy. I loved it. The the interview said to her, you must have to keep your head very still. And the Queen says, yes. (laughs) And you can't look down to read the speech. You have to take the speech up. Because, if you did, your neck would break and it would fall off. (laughs) I loved that. She was more worried... About the crown falling off then her neck breaking. Amazing. What a mindset. So we've been traveling through the book of Acts over the last few months, and today we come to the last chapter. We get the privilege of seeing up close what the Apostle Paul's mission mindset is after a 24-year epic journey of missionary service since he first came to faith in Jesus. After all these years of service, and so close to his dream of getting to Rome with the good news about Jesus, what can we learn from Paul's mission mindset? That's what we're going to think about today as we carry on through the story. Before we do, let's have a quick recap of the 28-ish years of the book of Acts in 28 seconds. Is that possible? Mm, Let's try. Okay, Acts opens where the author's first book, the Gospel of Luke, ends. Jesus has died on the cross and comes back to life and meets with his followers. He promises them that they'll be filled with his Holy Spirit. He then commands, or actually seems to promise, that they will be his witnesses throughout the surrounding countryside and to the ends of the earth. And through the rest of this book, we see exactly this happening. We see Jesus' followers being filled with his Holy Spirit. As a result, they're changed. They're able to do things just like Jesus had done. And they're filled with a new boldness to talk to people about the good news of Jesus. Exactly as Jesus promised, this starts in Jerusalem and breaks out into the surrounding areas. Meanwhile, this man Paul comes to faith in Jesus, starts sharing the good news with people who aren't Jews. This gets him into trouble with the Jewish authorities. He's jailed waits for years in prison, and eventually, after appealing to Caesar, is sent for trial in Rome. Last week, we saw how his prison ship was caught in a storm and was set for disaster. But miraculously, all 270 people on board survived. So that's where we're up to. Rachel is going to come up and read for us this morning. So we're on Acts chapter 28 from verse 1. As Matt says, Big 28, Little One. And that's on page 1126 of the Church Bibles.
1: Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and, as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer, for though he has escaped from the sea, the goddess Justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and showed us his generous hospitality for three days. His father was ill in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of those on the island who were ill came and were cured. They honoured us in many ways and when we were ready to sail they furnished us with the supplies we needed. After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods Castor and Pollux. We put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. From there, we set sail and arrived at Regium. The next day, the south wind came up, and on the following day, we reached Potioli. There we found some brothers and sisters who invited us to spend a week with them. And so we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters there had heard that we were coming, and they travelled as far as the Forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him.
0: Thanks, Rachel. So did you notice that there were three scenes in that passage? Yeah. So we had, number one, the beach on Malta. Number two, the governor's house or estate. And number three, the travel montage to Rome. So first of all, let's have a look at that first scene on the beach. Paul staggers out of the water from the debris of the shipwreck that he's miraculously survived onto this beach in Malta. And as soon as you know it, he's been bitten by a deadly viper. Uh, unlucky. This reminds me of some stories. A man was hit by a car in New York in 1977. He got up uninjured. But when a bystander told him to pretend he was hurt so he could collect insurance money, he lay back down in front of the car. The car rolled forward and crushed him to death. Surprised whilst burgling a house in Antwerp, Belgium, a thief fled out the back door, climbed over a nine-foot wall, dropped down and found himself in the city prison. (laughs) You think you've escaped one thing and then bang! Paul's mindset inspires me so much. He just seems so unflappable. What does he do? He just shakes the snake off and carries on. Where's the reaction? A scream. Maybe a medical consult with Dr. Luke. How about a prayer meeting or offering a sacrifice? Old school, but might work. No, all we're told is he just shakes it off and carries on. How does he do that? Because he's got his gaze set on God and his promises. Paul knows he must spread the good news in Rome. He's been praying about it for years. And then Jesus appears... After Paul's almost been beaten to death in Jerusalem, that's in Acts 23, if you remember. And he tells Paul he must go to Rome. Again, in the middle of the shipwreck, as we were reading by last week, an angel appears, reassures Paul of his calling to go to Rome. So God's made these promises to Paul. And Paul trusts so much that even when something comes along which will seemingly derail all those promises, he knows that God will make a way. Incredible. Faith, I think, is a process of hearing God's promises and living a life of trust and response. You might say, Well, God's not appeared to me in a vision. He's not made me any promises. Uh, yes, He has. God's most important and most glorious promises for you are in the Bible. It's packed full of them. Just start reading the Bible and you'll soon come across loads. Uh, I asked some pals uh, last night for a straw poll of just some random promises that they put their hope in. we got everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved from Joel. And James, we've got draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Hebrews, I'd not noticed this one before, it's a great one. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you pretty good, eh? Let's dig in and find these promises. If you don't know where to start, just like how Joe was talking about there, how about just starting with some Bible reading notes? Just start with that. Or even getting hold of a copy of something like The Checkbook of the Bank of Faith by Charles Spurgeon. Matt was recommending it to me. It's a classic daily reading book with a set of promises from the Bible alongside a short devotional thought. However you do it, I'd love to encourage you, or encourage all of us here, to deliberately stock up our minds with the promises of God and to attempt to live lives of trust and response. So, Paul's not too bothered by the snake, but look at the reaction of the locals. They are loving the drama. They are literally waiting for Paul to swell up, keel over, and die. Hey, come and see, come and see. And they are following him around until it happens. And what's more, they've made up their mind that if this is going to happen to Paul, it must be because he deserves it, right? Survive a shipwreck, then get bitten by a deadly snake. Mm, Murderer. Eventually didn't die despite being bitten by a deadly snake. (sighs) Must be a god. I'm fascinated by Paul's response to the islanders when they think he's a murderer, then a god. Again, doesn't seem bothered. Weirdly, previously in Lystra, the locals decided Paul was a god and he, and he tore his clothes, shouting, no, 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 no. But by the end of his stay, the people there decided Paul wasn't so great and stoned him. So, is that, is that maybe it? Paul has seen how fickle the world's opinions can be. He can be praised one minute and despised the next. And yet, sometimes, often, none of it is deserved. But how tempting it can be to care. Think how your day can be ruined when you decide someone's upset with you. Or how you can start to believe your own hype and get caught up in chasing praise. As a GP, I've seen how the explosion of social media has coincided with an explosion in anxiety and mental health problems, especially in young people. Whether you'd call yourself a Christian or not, how much do you need to start putting down your phone, put down your worries about what other people think about you and start picking up what God says you are. The good news is that there is a God whose opinion about you actually matters. He's made you, he knows you, and he loves you. It doesn't make sense, folks, to believe that on one hand and on the other hand to continue to allow ourselves to be held hostage to the opinions of others. Like Paul, instead of being blown around by the opinions of the world, can we try to set our gaze on our Heavenly Father and his promises? Okay, next scene. They are welcomed up to the house of the governor of Malta. Mm, Fancy. Paul finds out that the governor's dad is sick, so he goes and prays for him, and the man is healed. The rest of the island hear about this, bring everyone who's sick, and then Paul heals them too. Interesting. So in the very last chapter that Luke writes in the book of Acts. We see a miracle that's extremely similar to a miracle that Jesus performs right at the start of Luke's other book, the book of Luke. Same thing. Peter's mother, mother-in-law is sick in bed. Jesus goes to her. She's healed. And then the rest of the sick people in the area are brought to Jesus to be healed too. So here at the end of Acts, just as the gospel is reaching out towards the end of the earth, we see Jesus' followers embodying Jesus in the way that they're performing miracles and caring for the sick in exactly the same way that he did. Makes sense, right? But just a thought, wouldn't it have been tempting for Paul to sit this one out? He's been through a lot recently, persecution, imprisonment, trials, shipwrecks, They're going to have a winter in Malta for three months to wait for the weather to improve. Sounds quite good, wintering in Malta, right? that would be all right. Maybe it'd be tempting for him to think that it's God telling him to rest up. Chill out, Paul. Not only that, but he's been given such a strong calling to go and speak in Rome, and this has been his focus for years, and it's now within touching distance. But instead of taking a sabbatical, And polishing the speeches he'll soon be delivering to Caesar and the bigwigs in Rome, we see him with the local people, meeting their needs in the way that is available to him. I think this is the second thing we can learn from Paul's mission mindset. He serves those he's been placed with now. Now, miraculous healings might not be the way in which God wants you to serve those around you. But use what he has given you. You see, it's great to be given a calling from God. Maybe you feel called in the future to a certain country, Uh, people with a certain need, maybe to work work towards a certain qualification. Great! But the temptation can be to focus on that exclusively to the point where we miss the need around us now. Maybe um, you've been so focused on what God is going to do through you in the future when I'm with these people, when I'm in that country, when I have that job, that you're missing what God would have you do now. Look, that now thing that God has for you might not be as exciting or glamorous or even difficult, but it's what God has for you now. So don't miss it. The when things might be super exciting, but they may or may not come to pass in the way you're expecting. But the now, well, it's here now. (sighs) Now. By the way, if you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian, could it be that you're making a similar mistake and setting your sights so much in the when that you're missing the now? I've known some people over the years who wouldn't say they believe but are up for it and expect it will happen at some point later. One of my flatmates was exactly like this. But is this you too? Do you say to yourself, oh yeah, I, I probably will believe in God, but in the future, when? Maybe when this or that happens, when I've read more of the Bible, when I'm in a better place, when I've sorted this or that out. I get what you mean, but maybe do you need to take a leap of faith? Stop with all those whens and start following Jesus now. If you feel this is you, who needs to start following Jesus now, but you don't know how to or what to do next, why not grab someone after service. But you could speak to a friend who believes if you're here with one or you could speak to me or to any of the leadership team. Finally, our last scene, travel montage. Um, We got it? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Come in, come in. So we'll go on to the map. It's now March. The weather is better and off they set again. Let's have the map. They go to Syracuse, which is modern day Sicily, uh, onto the bottom tip of the Italy boot at Regium and then finally onto the main port for Rome of Puteoli. The believers there put Paul and his travelling companions up for the week. By the way, I love this mental image uh, of Paul leading a prayer meeting as he did wherever he was staying. So leading, leading a prayer meeting, everyone sat around in a circle with a centurion there with his spear and his legs crossed just like, oh, what's going on? Um, Yeah, random. There's no great point there. Uh, They then make the final journey on foot to Rome. Isn't it touching, though, that the believers from Rome walk 43 miles there and 43 miles back again just to accompany him on his final leg of his journey? 86 miles, incidentally, is the current length of the queue in London. Um, (laughs) What a long way to go. Why bother? Why bother? They know of Paul, mainly from the letter that he wrote to them two or three years earlier, the letter to Romans, which is an incredible piece of writing, even now. Many would say that it's their favourite book in the Bible. The Roman believers have been so blessed by Paul's ministry to them, even already, that they want to make the effort to go and encourage him in a turn. I think this is the third mission mindset that we can learn in this story, and we learn it from the local believers. They support and encourage their leaders and other believers who are suffering for their faith. I find this challenging. Over the years that I've been a Christian, I've been blessed on so many occasions by so many gifted leaders. Inside my head, I recognise her gifting and I'm grateful. But I don't say anything because if it's obvious to me then how much so-and-so person blesses others, then surely it's obvious to them, right? I mean, Matt, he doesn't know this is in here, is obviously a model of humble leadership. Rachel is obviously um, such a blessing to uh, people with young families. John and Ellen are obviously gifted worship team leaders, right? Twinkle, obviously full of positivity and joy that is contagious. Peter, obviously amazing Bible teacher, and he's training others up to do the same. That's amazing. It's obvious, right? So I don't say anything. Maybe this is cultural. As Brits, were great at some things, queuing, but other things like verbal encouragement, maybe not so much. If God's put an encouraging thought about someone in your head, could it be because he wants you to encourage them with that? In which case, if that's right, that encouraging thought doesn't belong to you, does it? It belongs to them. So... Give them that encouragement. And do you notice Paul's reaction here? It's actually only the only time in this passage that we're told explicitly how Paul feels says he's encouraged. <laughs> so next time you see someone who's blessing other believers, even if, like Paul, they look like they have it all together, they're unsinkable, unstoppable, please encourage them. Or here's a challenge. Why don't you take a moment right now and think about someone whose faith has positively impacted you recently. Why not tell that person? Why not get your phone out at the end of the service or now a message them? But there's another thing going on here, isn't there? Paul isn't just an obviously gifted guy who blesses people, this legend. He's also someone who's being persecuted and who is suffering for their faith and these believers take the time to practically meet his needs and encourage him I think we also need to make it our habit to support other believers particularly in other parts of the world who are suffering for their faith you may have come across the Operation 90 books uh, Operation 90 Freudian slip Operation World Books in the 90s Uh, these were books that had stats about each country in the world the levels Persecution, how you can pray for believers there. It won't surprise you to know these books are now an app. Uh, I've downloaded it and you get daily updates to remind you to pray for the believers in a different country. Uh, Today it's Niger. Why not download uh, the Operation World app and start praying for those believers? Just make it part of your routine. Uh, There are also amazing charities working with the persecuted church, for example many of you will be aware of or even support the work of Open Doors. So whether it's financially, by prayer, or just by sharing a word of encouragement, so important we encourage other believers, particularly our leaders, and particularly those suffering for their faith. So, quick recap. What what lessons can we learn from the mission mindset of Paul and the other believers? So here we go. Um, And I don't know if you noticed, but I got three S's. Just like a snake. Um, so, <laughs> <it's> <laughs> made me happy. Um, so number one, set your gaze on God and his promises. Let's stop worrying that things might go wrong and fretting what people think about us. Let's focus instead on what God says about us and what he's promised us. Number two, serve those you've been placed with now. Maybe God has grand designs for your future, but... For now, let's not get too distracted by the when, and let's focus on the ways that we can serve now. Number three, support and encourage your leaders and other believers who are suffering for their faith. Let's not forget our brothers and sisters across the world who are being persecuted. And let's not forget to encourage those who bless us, especially our leaders. Right, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the incredible book of Acts and the inspiration that these early believers are. Please help us to fix our eyes on you and Jesus and stop worrying about the opinions of the world. Please help us to do the thing you have for us now, even if there are super exciting things coming up. Please help us to build each other up, especially our leaders who so often need just an encouraging word. And help us not to forget other believers who are suffering persecution. How wonderful it is to be part of the Great Commission and to hear... The believers who have gone before us cheer us on as we take hold of your promises and live out a life of faith. God, we know we don't have the strength to do this, but Christ in us does. So Holy Spirit, work through us and help us run the race to the end. Amen you'll only just three remember S's. you'll remember that there's three S's but you won't remember what they are I'm sorry about that uh, so set your gaze on God and his promises serve those you have been placed with now support and encourage your leaders and other believers who are suffering for their faith
1: brilliant thanks, thanks Colin
0: now